if you're making a profit as opposed to just breaking even by whatever, April the 1st, April the 10th, whatever it is, you got back your £5,000. And then by the time you sold the rest of your inventory out, you, you're up. You got more cash than you started with. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Do you feel you're wasting money you could be keeping in your pocket? Well, many private label Amazon sellers don't even know where they're wasting money, let alone how to stop it. And if that's you, we can help. Our new online assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. For a powerful and quick diagnosis, go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's amazonprofitquiz.com to get your instant free analysis straight away. If you would like resources and links and other help, to do with today's episode just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 447 hey folks welcome back to the 10k collective podcast for six seven and eight figure amazon private level and custom product sellers so today i want to talk about a very important financial principle that may not sound sexy like here's how a marketing hack got me extra sales or here's a nice quick hack for developing products quicker than you thought or something like that but let's face it, business is all about numbers. If the numbers are good, your business has value, can pay for a nice lifestyle, and is sellable. If the numbers are terrible, it doesn't matter how beautiful your products are, even though that matters to the consumers. And it doesn't really matter anything else, really, if the finances aren't making sense. It's a cash-generating machine in the end, or it should be a good business. So let's talk about a key concept today, which is incredibly powerful, which is very rarely mastered by most Amazon sellers, but which the sophisticated sellers I know really understand. And as a result, that really, really powers their business. We're going to talk today about working capital management and specifically one part of it, the cash conversion cycle. I'm going to split this up into a couple of pieces so that we get the key concepts absolutely clear, because here's the thing. If you just manage your business via a profit and loss statement, you're going to be missing a bunch of powerful techniques, which could get you more profit from the same cash, or even better, you keep the profits the same, you keep the revenue the same or even higher, but you reduce the amount of money that's tied up in your business, which means you don't have to invest more money to grow your business, which means you don't have to go begging and borrowing large amounts of money. And if you borrow really large amounts of money, in my experience, not that I've borrowed crazy amounts of money myself, but the clients of mine who have borrowing half a million dollars or pounds, generally it's secured on your personal property, your own house. And that means if you get it wrong and your business melts down, then your house is at risk. And so we don't want to borrow more money than we have to. And the best scenario is to engineer your business such that it throws off tons of cash and minimizes the amount of money tied up in the business that has all sorts of great benefits. So we're going to talk about this today because this is super important. This is really 
if you want to use a financial bit of jargon, balance sheet management. And if you're obsessed with the profit and loss statement only, then it's time to look further than that statement, in my view. Now, look, if you're at the early stages of your selling journey and you don't even have an accountant yet, or you haven't got a bookkeeper and you haven't got a profit and loss statement yet, then you should probably go sort that out before you deep dive into this topic. Having said which, I do believe that this topic is for everyone, including those at the early stages of business, so that you grasp the basic concepts. I'm going to try and keep the, the principles clear and simple if I can, and then we'll add a little bit of sophistication and that's it. I'm not going to try and be clever here because this is so powerful. If you just grasp it, you should go and do some research, talk to your accountant, talk to a bookkeeper, but here goes. This is why it's powerful. So what is working capital? Well, to the simple way of putting it as one of my clients, Joe Jake's back in in the day, put it on a podcast a few years ago. This is the basic idea. If you buy a property, you have to put some equity into it and then you have, you know, to your own savings, your own investment, and then you borrow some money against it. And then you let it out to your tenants, assuming it's a rental property rather than your home. And the working capital, the way Joe put it, is the money you tied up in it, which you cannot take out without getting rid of the property. So it's money that's tied up in your business. But more specifically, each product in really in an FBA business, you haven't got, in most cases, if it's a small business, a lot of money tied up in things like property or even overheads like your staff. It's mostly tied up in inventory, right? So I'm going to simplify it and say most of the working capital relates to the cost of your inventory. And that's what I'm going to focus on for today, just to get the points home really simply. So the reason that you might want to think about this as well is that growing faster organically is the safest and it's the most attractive thing. You can actually sell your business for more money, even with the same profit, because it's more attractive. If a person has to, if an entity buying a business has to invest, say, $200,000 in inventory per year to run a business, doing, say, a million dollars a year in re revenue, and another business requires a half million dollar a year investment in inventory, guess which business is more attractive? So let's talk about this. The first thing we've got to talk about this. So let's talk the biggest of big pictures first, the strategic level, not quick wins, not quick tweaks, but very big wins, which is this. If you have your products tying up your money for a long time, you're going to have a high working capital, which means you've got to have more money in every new product line to get the thing launched. So let me put that better. Basically, there's a thing called the cash conversion cycle. And the simplest version is you start with cash, you turn the cash into stock or inventory, then you sell the inventory and it turns back into cash, right? Now, if you turn, say, $50,000 into $50,000 worth of stock and you sell the stock and if after all your Amazon fees and your shipping fees and everything else, advertising, whatever your other costs, you only left with 50,000, then all you've done is convert cash into stock and stock back into cash, but you haven't gained anything from it. So there should be a difference between the cash at the beginning of a, a period like that and the end. And that difference is called the, the free cash flow, which is pretty similar to the profit. Okay. But there should be a difference. Obviously you've got to make profit, but let's assume that we're talking about profitable products. It's got a big assumption, but we've talked about that before. Okay. So if you're not measuring profit, you need to do that. Let's assume you're doing that for now. Now, here's the thing. If you convert your cash into products and then your products into cash or cash into inventory, inventory into cash, that is called a cash conversion cycle, one cycle, right? And our simple version is got two parts to it, cash and product. It's pretty obvious. 
if you think about it, that if you tie your money up for a long time with your product because you're having it made in China or something like that, and then it takes ages to sell it through because you bought a year's worth of inventory, you're going to have an astronomically high amount of working capital uh, tied up in that product, right? And that you can measure it with various financial metrics. So let's keep this super, super simple. Common sense will tell you that, right? But people park their common sense and do this kind of stuff all the time because they start obsessing about their profit and loss statement. Let me compare a couple of businesses for you from the mastermind. I'm going to change the exact details because I've got to keep things confidential. But one of the businesses had a wonderful product, beautifully designed. This guy was excellent, or this guy or gal, this person was excellent at product design. They ordered about a year's worth of inventory at a time from China because they, the minimum order quantity and the amount that they could sell were not in great balance. So that's one of the things you've got to really, really, really think through uh, when you're starting a new product line or if you've got existing products, when you're reviewing, should we keep selling this thing? So that's pretty horrible because <laughs> you're tying up pretty much a year's worth of, of the stock. So you can work out, it's called days in inventory and days of sales outstanding and various things you can measure it in, in time you know money over time but it adds up to a colossal amount of money so he's basically in that case we're tying up about fifty thousand dollars for about a year for just one product line all right that business really was struggling it was doing around a million pounds a year so just over a million dollars another business in the mastermind which has since been sold for very good money and i can understand why had also just over, you know, about, I don't know, whatever, and 1.2 million pounds a year in sales, so whatever, 1.4 million dollars, something along those lines. But number one, it was very profitable. And number two, that person sourced product in the UK and sold it in the UK. Now, I'm not saying the UK, by the way, is a great market to sell into necessarily, but the fact that the products were bought and sold in the same country meant that the money was tied up for a much less long time because even if the lead time was, say, you know, two months of manufacturing lead time, the delivery time was a week or two between the manufacturer and the, you know, if he, even if he had his own warehouse, I can't remember his structure, I think he often went direct to FBA, to Amazon's warehouses, but whichever. You're tying your money up in that scenario for about two and a half months and then plus however long it takes to sell it through. But because you can Let's say you have a lead time of two months between placing an order and it's ready to sell on Amazon. Well, you can theoretically only keep two months of inventory in Amazon. And then you've got two months of tying the money up. For, so you're going to have a total of money tied up for whatever, three months. If you think about it, then if you're selling at a profit, then at some point, somewhere into the part of selling it, you're going to be breaking even, right? So let's say, let's make it concrete. Let's say you spend 5,000 pounds on some inventory. And January the 1st, you start selling on March the 1st. If you're making a profit, as opposed to just breaking even by whatever, April the 1st, April the 10th, whatever it is, you got back your 5,000 pounds. And then by the time you sold the rest of your inventory out, you, you're up. You got more cash than you started with, aka a profit or strictly speaking, positive cash flow. Right? So that business sold for five and a half, or I think there's two separate businesses, sold for around about five times why i think one of the reasons why was obviously because he sold at the peak of the valuation of amazon businesses and that was partly luck and partly judgment and good on that person but also the that business had very attractive characteristics apart from very high profit margin it meant that you didn't have to tie up so much money if he'd been he or she would been sourcing the same product they 
could have sourced a similar product from China or wherever, the other side of the world. And then suddenly for the same revenue and the same profit, they would have been tying their money up for at least two months longer, maybe three, probably longer. Because here's what happens if you, if you have to a long lead time, we've talked about that before, but we're looking at it with a slightly different head on it now. If you've got, if it's going to take you three months at least from between ordering a product and starting to be able to sell it on Amazon, starting to sell it on Amazon, or for that matter, any other sales channel in the world, actually, you need at least three months worth of inventory before you, so you don't run out of stock. So you end up with a cash conversion cycle that looks like this. You pay money and we're going to assume no credit or, or debt or anything, right? Just keep it simple. You pay money up front. Three months later, you start to get that money back and then depending on your profit margin and how quickly the, the inventory sells, let's say you, it sells through in three months, which is like the perfect number for Amazon and, and ties in with your, your lead time, right? Well, you're probably going to get to break even somewhere like month four, month four and a half. So you're tying your money up for four and a half months as opposed to what? Three. That difference is a lot of money. And if you're scaling to tens and hundreds of product lines, that could be hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars difference in capital for the same. And this is the metric I want to bang home for the same profit. So let's keep this super simple. If you are engineering a new business, if you are re-engineering an existing business, if you are starting a new product line, if you're starting a new brand within an existing business or a new brand for a new business, any of those scenarios. Wow. I would so encourage you to very seriously consider the working capital requirements of your business model and your product. Now, everything we've been talking about to, to this point is within my sort of comfort zone and what I tend to do and what I work with on clients, which is private label slash custom products. And it's ironic that it's my comfort zone because it's, it's a much tougher business model than other ones out there that also work on Amazon. It's very, very hard to have a defensible business. And the profit margins are often thinner, et cetera, et cetera. So it has many downsides, but let's look at it through the lens of the cash conversion cycle for just for a minute and think about this as, as a way of looking at businesses and way of engineering businesses. The, if you go and source some products today and you can buy, you know, a couple of weeks worth of inventory and you can buy them, you don't have to get them manufactured. They're already sitting around in somebody's warehouse, right? You just go and buy, you know, a hundred units of something, say 10 pounds a unit. So you've got a thousand pounds tied up in that. And then you ship it into an, the nearest FBA center. Maybe it's selling within three or four days. And then maybe you can sell that through within a week. So you can turn your cash over within two weeks. Now, even if your profit margin is tiny. Say you tie up a thousand pounds and it comes back with a, a, just a 10% margin or something. And you got a thousand one hundred pounds two weeks later. But in my goodness, you can cycle that. Let's say it's two weeks. You can cycle that 25 times a year in theory. Whereas the person buying, you know, say six months worth of stock from China can only cycle that twice a year in theory. There are going to be some nuances, but all things being equal, I. I think there's so much power in the fact that you're only effectively for that product line tying up a thousand pounds a month in working capital whilst getting what looked like thin profits per week or per month, but which over the course of a year actually add up really nicely. So there is a lot to be said for the power of the quick cash turnover of a wholesale type business, as long as there is actually any profit. If all you're doing is churning cash, you're turning cash into stock and stock into cash, and there's no profit left, then it's kind of futile. So it's a bit pointless. And, and that's what's otherwise known as a zombie business. It doesn't have any profit, 
but it just churns over. It just does stuff, right? But actually, when you analyze it, there's no profit. So again, if you don't look at your profit and loss carefully by product line as well as for the whole business, then that will be your fate. And, and I've seen that indeed in a wholesale business I was working with recently with one of my other clients. And we went through and we chopped uh, what he chopped on the basis of the analysis we did together. I didn't tell him to chop her. And I said, well, it's pretty obvious. The numbers tell us what to do. Half the products were making a loss and the others, some of them were making a really nice profit and some of them were making a very mediocre profit. So he chopped, or he or she chopped three quarters of the products. So it went from 400 product lines to 100 product lines and it's now nicely profitable. So I'm not saying anything simplistic, like you must source in the same countries you sell. Not necessarily. I'm not saying wholesale is better than private label. No, not necessarily. What I am saying is the lens you can look through this idea of the simple, very simplified cash conversion cycle that I've come up with, cash into stock, stock into cash, is really critical. So if you are starting a business from scratch, I would encourage you to set it up you haven't sold anything on Amazon or e-commerce or any kind of online business before, or even any kind of retail, I would probably advise that you would do a wholesale sourcing or retail arbitrage type business because the amount of money you're risking is so much lower. The amount of money required to start the business is so much lower. And, you know, the, well, what else do you need to know? Th those are two great things. Now, uh, if the profit isn't very high, you haven't lost that much, I guess. If the profit is non-existent, you need to cut that out. So I've literally just started working with some of my best clients who are experts in wholesale sourcing, which is not my expertise, to help teach those who want to get started and don't really have the, the experience or capital to do private label to do that. So if that interests you, I don't even have a sales page set up for you yet. Just email me, michael at amazingfba.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L at amazing, F for Freddie, B for Bertie, A for alpha.com. Other things. If you have an existing business and you are wedded to sourcing from China or wherever it is you source from India, maybe an import to US, similar lead times to China to UK, there are a few other things you can do to manage your working capital. And we're not even talking about debt and credit, which is a whole different story. One is accurate demand forecasting. That's not easy to do, but it's really important to obsess about it whilst understanding at the same time, you're never going to get it perfect. If you have a load of stock tying up your money, that is terrible for working capital management. And, and it's kind of obvious, but quite a few people just order stock because they, I don't know what, what exactly the, the thinking is. It's kind of become a habit. You order X amount because you always have done or something. You've got to keep an eye on stock turn. If you're not turning over your stock, at least, you know, once one stock turn a quarter in, in Amazon world terms, or in other words, you, you're holding a stock for more than three months. More than six, maybe if you're importing from China and you've got a decent profit margin, I really think you've got to look again. So that's the first thing. The, the flip side of that is inventory management. So if you've got, if you're reasonable at, at forecasting demand, and by the way, I would use something like eva.guru to, to figure that out rather than trying to just do it manually, then you've got to make sure you think about lead time, which we talked about before. And in fact, all the other things that we talked about in this series, I mean, this series has been quite spread out, but I mean, so we talked about working capital management is, is really a, a subset of all these things. So the other things we talked about really lead time is the other tweak that if you're trying to work, manage working capital inventory is a, is a big, big way that money gets tied up is the way really in an inventory based business. And so reducing lead time is really, really important as well.
the location of selling manufacturing is the critical thing. Business model is critical as well. Another thing is building a good relationship with your suppliers. If you don't give your suppliers a heads up of big demands coming down the pipe, then you're quite likely to find that they haven't ordered the raw materials you want in time and that they are behind. So not only do you have a three-month lead time that you were expecting, but you end up with a four-month lead time because there's a big delay before the manufacturing even starts. Equally, you need to try to give a heads up and communicate through your supply chain to people that deal with shipping because, of course, that's another huge amount of time management. Now, shipping as part of lead time is one of those places where you will quite often have a payoff between profit and loss or profit and balance sheet management. So what I mean is this, if you air freight stuff over, it's probably going to be with you within 10 days or something. I mean, even if you've got a pretty bad, it should be a lot quicker than that from one one airport to another, from China to US or China to UK, it should be 24, 48 hours. But you know, if you're going from your factory to ready to sell on Amazon, it could be a few days. Um, normally that's more expensive per unit, unless you're shipping very small amounts or you've got very light product or something. But it will, again, massively reduce the working capital required for that product. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 447. So again, there's no one size fits all here, but I just drawing your attention to the fact that you really, in an ideal world, want to keep the profits as high as possible and the working capital demands as low as possible. And there's normally a bit of a trade-off between the two. But that's another thing to think about, because if you do ship by sea as opposed to by air, you're pretty much adding two months worth of working capital to all your products. And again, you can try tweaking things. That's one thing. But if you're engineering a, a sort of cash conversion cycle thinking into your products, into your business, into a new brand, into a new series of products, into a new product line, whichever of these, then you can just make sure you filter that way. You can say, okay, I'm going to ship products that are small and light enough to be carried by aircraft and still be very profitable because that reduces your lead time massively. Not only does that make your life more convenient, not only does that mean you have less risk of running out of inventory, not only does that mean you're not so stressed, <laughs> which is not inconsiderable, but you tie up a lot less money. So there are many, many powerful reasons to do that. And I think if you look at that as a serious lens through which to consider product, as opposed to just, you know, does helium tell, tend to there's a lot of demand? Do I like it? Do we think we can differentiate it? Given that you've got such a huge universe of products to choose from, why not choose ones with the cash flow characteristics that are in your favor? I would say that's really, really important. So I'm going to wrap up today. So just to kind of recap the main points, I mean, first of all, if you don't have an accountant yet, please, please go and get one. If you have an accountant and they're not a specialist in e-commerce, please go and get one who understands this business model. So get an e-commerce specialist and talk to them. Get them to educate you. Buy the right books. If you're looking for a book, one of the best books on this topic, I think it's not easy to read, Financial Intelligence for Entrepreneurs, written by Karen Berman, B-E-R-M-A-N. Really great book. And that's one of the books that I reach for to explain this stuff to clients. I just want to say as well, when I talk about explaining this to clients, this is a nice theory. I think because understanding finance, I think gives you power over your business and power over your competition. You don't understand it. And this stuff isn't hard to grasp, but it's really powerful. When I explain this stuff to clients, the ones who get it, go and take action. And it makes a whopping difference. Really, we're talking about a simple thing, which is reduce 
working capital money required per product line. And that means you can get the same profit from a lot less money, makes your business much more sellable and makes your business much more sustainable, lower risk means you don't have to go and find debt, which is hard to get sometimes, or if you do manage to get it, it might be secured in your house, or at least it increases your risk. And that means you can grow your business faster because if you haven't, there's a final phrase that is growth sucks cash. And if you don't have plenty of cash flowing in your business, the only other way to grow is to put the money in yourself as an investor or to borrow the money. Much better to engineer your business, to throw off plenty of cash and to grow organically safer it's more attractive and you sleep better at night. So I hope this has begun to unlock the mysterious world of balance sheet management. I think it's fascinating. I'm a massive nerd, so maybe people don't agree, but when you can make more money while risking less of your own cash, it starts to be a bit more interesting. I hope you agree. So a couple of things to say. First of all, if you are early stages with a, an Amazon business, like your pre-revenue, you don't have any revenue, or your very, very early stages, and you want to grow your business, my advice is pretty simple. If you don't have big working capital or big risk tolerance, then I wouldn't start with private labeling or custom products. I think the first step is to get a wholesale sourcing business. I have not yet, until just now, discovered a great way to get people training for that. I've tried hiving people off to big American companies that I know who train in it, but they, they were just not were a bit overpriced and not sure that they really understood the British situation. So if particularly if you're British, I've got a couple of British-based trainers who are themselves practitioners full-time in wholesale selling, but have been willing to work for my clients to help train them. So if that's you, get in touch, Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L at amazingfba.com. And more generally, and finally, more generally, it can be very useful to have somebody with an overview like myself to have a look at it and audit the business as a whole and see where the opportunities and threats are. If you want to do that, it's free. You can be a reseller or a private label or custom product brand owner. Just go to myamazonaudit.com. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T.com. And I will happily look at your business and, and talk through with you how I think your business is looking and make some recommendations if you want them of where I think you, you have some opportunities or threats that you know you need to close down. People find it very helpful. It could be that if after that you want to go ahead and work with me, people will sometimes do that as well, but you're very welcome to take the advice and run off and do what you can with it. All I'd say is if you do well, let me know because it's always good to know that I've helped people because it makes me feel better about life. So thank you so much for listening. So there you go. Cash conversion cycle, working capital management, a profoundly powerful skill set. I wish you the best of luck with getting that. And we'll talk next time about even more exciting things around credit and debt, good debt and bad debt, and how you can use that to make your working capital requirements even lower. So you've got even less of your own money or you know bank debt invested in your products and you're still getting the same profits, which is just fantastic. Look forward to telling you about that. Speak to you next time. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 447. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show 
And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.